Today, I'd like to answer some of the questions I've received from you. We'll talk about wedding planner certification, following up with prospects, family wedding planning discounts, and your wedding day emergency kit. I'm Debbie Quain. Thank you for joining me. You're listening to another episode of the Weddings for a Living.com talk show. Today, I'd like to focus on some of the questions I've received from you. Thank you for writing. I really do appreciate it. Just so that you know, this show is all part of the Weddings for a Living.com website. If you are an aspiring or new professional wedding planner, this is the place for you. So this is the show that goes with the website. On the website, you'll find archived episodes of the talk show. You'll also find articles and some other tidbits, all free so that you can learn how to be a phenomenal wedding planner. So if you're on my email list, thank you. And um, one of the when I reply to you, when you sign up, I say that, you know, you can write back. I will reply. Now, I'll be honest. My turnaround time with the replies is dismal. I'm here to admit that and I apologize. So today I want to try to make it up to you. Please, can I make it up to you? (laughs) By answering some of the questions that I received. So the first one I want to tackle is all about the family discount. And if you've been planning weddings and parties and special events for a while, I know you know, you feel the pain of this person that's writing this, uh, this letter, this question. So Question goes a little something like this. I just came across your website and I am certain that it will be very useful for my business in wedding planning and the services I offer. Thank you. I hope so. However, I have been facing a problem for some time now, and I really hope you can give me advice on how to handle this. I've been in the business for about for about three years and competition is very high. I have been planning a lot of my friends and relatives weddings, especially because of their requests. The problem is I feel that they are taking this for granted and they always expect me to work on a very low budget, even free or cost prices when I plan or decorate their weddings and events. It's been very frustrating and I still want to help out and plan their weddings, but I should be hired and getting paid to do that. I would like to know your advice and how to handle such situations because it's always very awkward when my closest friends ask for help. And free services to prepare. Oh, sorry. When my closest friends ask for help, advice, and free services to prepare for their events. Looking forward to hearing from you. Okay. All right. So, and I'm not saying the name because it was a personal email, but I just thought you might be able to benefit from how I respond. So, I know the situation. Now, a few things I noticed I paid attention to in this question. The first was that this individual says that she, I believe it's a woman, says that she's been planning, she's been in business for three years. So not what I would consider, not someone who I would consider to be brand spanking new. I'm a little concerned that there's still a bit of a struggle with this family situation. And she says that her family is expecting her to do these events for free or at cost. And she says it's decorating and special events. So here's the thing. 
you have to decide when you, we go into business, when we know someone in a certain line of business, we hope to get a little bit of a discount. But when you're in business, you really and you truly are in business, then you have to make it known that you're a business and people will only do what you allow them to do. Now, I know we don't get to pick. I know we don't get to pick our family members. <sighs> I'm taking a deep sigh there. So I, I feel the awkwardness, but you have to set the bar. When I first started as a professional wedding planner, I was so excited that I sent out a family and friends letter. And really what this letter was to let people know Basically, I've been dabbling for a while and planning events, but I'm in it for real, for real now. This is my business name. At the time, I didn't have a website yet. That's how old. That's when, you know, dinosaurs were roaming the earth and such. But I had a, a telephone number for the, for the business and business cards and such. And I had ordered stationery. You may have heard me say this before. I really just wanted to show off the stationery. So everybody got a personal letter. Those were the days when people would get a letter with a stamp. It wasn't just an email or a text. And it was, again, to let people know that I was in business. But it also had a different, it had an impact in a different way that I hadn't even planned on. People took, paid attention. And it was a clear announcement that she's for real now. She's got a business phone line, which was a big deal back then. Oh, my gosh, look at the stationery with the logo and everything. And right then and there, it it, it separated me from the, go-to person for free events. So doing something like that, I think is a really good jumping off point for your business. And even if you've been in business for three years, as you say, I would say do something like that. Because again, people only do what we allow them to do. But we also have to be serious about what we're doing. Now, I'm not saying this is for, this is the situation for this individual, what I'm about to say. But we all know someone who starts off a venture and gets very excited and then they fizzle out. And then a few months or a year later, it's something else. And then that fizzles out. And then, you know, it's, it keeps repeating. Again, I'm not suggesting that that's what's happening in this scenario. But when that happens, people take you, take that individual a lot less seriously. I know I certainly do. So what you have to do is to let people know how serious you are. So I would start by saying, sending out a notification of that sort. And then you, on your own, you have to decide, okay, what's my policy going to be? Because I know family and friends are going to ask. So a lot of the things that we deal with, a lot of the problems that we face, it's because we haven't really thought things through. So you have to decide, am I going to just pile stuff on? Like if my regular package is $1,000, Am I going to still charge family and friends $1,000, but I'll give them what the next package up is. So I'll give them my medium. So I have a small, medium, large package. I will give family and friends the medium package, but at the small price. And maybe you say that in your letter and you say that in your announcement. I know that you're going to be planning events and social events. I want to help, but I am running a business and this is what I'm happy to do for you. So you've got to decide up front, what is it going to be? What am I going to be willing to do? And where will I draw the line? Now, depending on who we're talking about, you know, what you may do for your cousin once removed versus your sister may be different. But again, you have to set the bar and people have to be taking what you're doing seriously. And it's up to you 
to set that level of seriousness. So create that policy up front is what I would suggest. And make sure that whatever it is that you're doing, that you're covering your expenses. You shouldn't be doing something and losing out. We all have expenses when we run a business. So whatever we do should be covering that. And I hope that your business is set up in a way that it is crystal clear what your fees are, because I know a lot of us struggle with that. I can't tell you the number of, of letters and phone calls I get where someone says, I got a client or I've got a prospect, but I don't know what to charge, but I'm in business. How can that be? How can that be? How can you be in business and not know what your prices are? And I know it's difficult, but if you haven't done that, then I'm here to tell you, you're not really running a business. You're kind of just flying by the seat of your pants and just taking a stab at it. I mean, that may work for a while, but if you want to make sure that you're making money, making profit, exceeding your expenses and some, then you have to, you have to figure out what your prices are going to be. So in this instance, my, my, my advice is number one is to draft a letter, a family and friends letter that lets people know that you're in business this is where they can find out more about you and what help you need. Are you, do you need to find more vendors? Say so. If you have a special type of client, say so. You know, I, I plan vintage weddings or I just do day of weddings or I only do full service. So help your family and friends to send business your way. And when you have business coming in like that, business clients beating down the door for your services, then you won't feel so bad giving your family and friends a discount. But a lot of us, are struggling as wedding planners and special event planners. We are struggling to make a profit. And because of that, when family and friends come along and they don't want to pay, we are even more resentful. But we have to be prepared for that. We have to be prepared for that. And let them know, you know, I've got expenses and I want to help you as best I can, but this is what I can do. You mentioned decorating, and I know a lot of wedding planners do the decorating thing. I don't. I don't know if you know this, but I started off as a balloon decorator. And then evolved into planning. My daughter says it's because I'm such a bossy boots. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll take that. But that, that's where my specialty is. So my point is when it comes to decor, I don't pretend to know how to price for that and how to set up for that. So when someone says they need help with, de- with decorations, I can give them, I'm a creative soul and I can give them some ideas and I can probably come up with something, but it's not what I do. So I won't pretend to know how to deal with that. But I know with decor, there are some hard expenses, meaning, you know, materials. There's stuff you've got to get to make a place look a certain way. So you've got to cover those expenses, those costs, if you're doing that for family and friends. And if you've got to set up a room in a certain amount of time, then you're going to need labor. You need people to help you do that. You have to pay those people. So your family and friends can't really expect for those people to work gratis without being paid so that that those expenses need to be covered and explain to them why you're unable to do this for free and try to get out of the habit of doing that but if you set the bar right at the beginning if you set the ground rules right up front and have this discussion with yourself I talk to myself all the time by the way (laughs) don't hate but decide what it is you're going to do up front and then be prepared because a lot of times it's because we haven't planned this thing out So that would be my suggestion. The family and friends letter, decide up front, and maybe before you send the family and friends letter, decide up front what it is you can do and what you're willing to do. And then get your family members to help you. Tell them, you you know, the more clients you have, the more business you have, the more you can do for them for less because you've got business coming in. Okay? So I hope that helps. 
All right, what's next? Let's deal with a prospect follow-up question. Someone asked a question about that. And this came in, again, it was this personal email, but um, here's a question. Um, do you have a follow-up system that you use? How often should I follow up with my prospects? And do you send anything as tips when you send follow-up emails? I have leads. I sent my reply. Oh, my gosh, my stomach growled. I hope that didn't come through. And if it didn't come through, I just told you my stomach growled. I'm sorry. Um, I have leads. I sent my reply, and then nothing happens. Okay. So here's what I do. When I meet with a prospect and things are going well, Hopefully they're ready to do business on the spot, but not always. It's just, and, and you do have to ask some pre-qualifying questions, by the way, before you meet with someone. You know, you don't just meet with every Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to meet with you. You've got to ask some questions. What's their budget? When are they getting married? Where are they getting married? What kind of help do they need? Are they really ready for the services that you provide? Like if you do day of, so you have, when you're doing day of, you're, you're looking for clients who've already planned their wedding. And there are some questions that you have to ask up front, you know, over the phone or via email. And depending on the answers you get to those questions, determine whether or not you meet with the person. That's how it goes. So assuming all that's good and you've met with someone and they told you what it is that they've elaborated more about what they're looking for. And you then say, OK, this is what I think we will work for you. I have this service and I have this service. I'm kind of leaning towards this. What do you think? And then they, you know, you're getting a lot of nods and positive feedback. Then the person or the clients, if the two of them are there, will say, may say, okay, we've got some more shopping around to do. We have two other appointments that we want to we have. We're meeting with some other planners and we'll get back to you, whatever the reason. Or I got to get back to my, I've got to talk to my fiance or my parents are paying. We got to talk to them, whatever it is. Then what I will, what I do is I have the client, we, we, we look at dates together. I say, okay, let's pick a date that we agree on that you will call, call me back. You'll get in touch with me and let me know what your thoughts are, what your decision is. So immediately I've taken the pressure off of me and I've put it on them. I want them now to, to, to call me or to send me an email. And let's say we're meeting today and it's Monday. Then I'll say, okay, so what about Thursday? Thursday at three, why don't you give me a call? And I'll put that in my calendar and I'll say, maybe what you put it in your calendar too, too so you don't forget. So I'll wait to hear from you Thursday or maybe I'll say Thursday between three and four and something like that. So that's that's on them. When the meeting is over, um, before the meeting is over, then I will hand them a, a fact sheet and over uh, which is really just a, an explanation of the services that we talked about, the plan, the package that we discussed. And that's it. That's really what I hand over to them because day off is what I'm focusing on. I'm sorry, I should have said that up front. I'm focused on day off right now. Um, cause I know that inside out. And then once we leave, I write a note and then I put that in the mail, a real note with a stamp. And I send that out. It's a thank you note, whatever the, the, the decision. Now, if, if, if they sign with me right then and there, if we move forward at that point, then the thank you note is going to become a welcome note, but I send a note anyway. It's go, it's on, on its way to them. That's routine. And then on the day and the time that they're supposed to call, hopefully they call me or they email me back or whatever it is we've agreed for them to do. If I don't hear from them, I'll give them a little bit, of, you know, a couple of hours, maybe the next day, and then I'll shoot them a quick email and say, didn't hear from you, just wanted to make sure I keep the lines of communication open. Let me know if I can help you. Would love to be a part of your big day. And that's it. That's it. 
I believe in providing content and sharing. And believe it or not, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but quite a few people that that my pa- that, that come into contact with me about weddings find out about me from the information on weddings for a living. So they're, they're halfway sold because there's all that information that's there. Weddings for a living has a lot of information. So folks are looking in there and they're hearing my voice and so forth. So I, I don't say that to boast, but it just makes it a little easier for people to sort of connect with me. Either they like me or they don't. I don't know who those people are that don't like me, but (laughs) no, sorry. I'm just kidding. No, seriously. I don't know who those people are, but hopefully there's a connection. And this is why I advocate sharing a lot of the information. I know, you know, a lot of stuff about weddings and our tendency is to keep it all because we say we should be paid for our services. We should be paid for what we know. But if you put some of that information out there, it's going to be easier for people to approach you and want to do business with you. So when they see that, and especially if they hear your voice, which is why I just like talking anyway, I won't lie. But when they can connect with you, but they see a video or hear your voice, then the connection's even stronger. So with that information, those things sort of act as a follow-up. And really what I should do is have a series of emails that go out automatically. If you have a service that provides email auto response, like an autoresponder like AWeber or MyEmma or MailChimp. Those things can be set up so that on on cue, after you know, one day after someone signs up, they get an email. Two days later, they get another one. A week later, they get another one. You can do that and point them to different areas of your website if you've got different articles and things like that. So that could be your follow-up system. But really, what I just explained... It's how I follow up with prospects. I make them, I ask them to to get in, in touch with me. I've sent them a thank you note in the mail. And if I don't hear from them, I'll reach out because things, things happen. You know, they lose the, the number or they forget or there's an emergency and that's not the first thing on their mind. So I just reach out again and say, just want to make sure I reach out. I didn't hear from you. And I know I was, but we, we, we agreed that you would call or contact me on Thursday. I'm here. I'm happy to help. Just let me know what I can do for you. And that's kind of it. Now, you may have a different system that works wonderfully, and I would love to hear about it because we're here to share. The intelligence is in the room. Something else may be working for you. But that's the route that I go. But I'm confident in that process because I know there's information there that people can find. I've already directed them there. So if you have a website, if you have a blog, if you have a YouTube channel full of tips, if you have... Some, a newsletter that you print or something like that, that you can direct people to, then it's not so much like you're bugging them, but you're giving them information that they need. And each time they communicate or read something or hear something from you, that bond is a little stronger. But maybe they found someone else that they've had a connection with because wedding planning is a very personal thing. And if they connected with someone else, that's fine. But to answer your question, that's how I that's how I follow up with prospects. Okay, I'd love to hear your feedback though. If you again do something a little differently, now I'm speaking to you, the person other than the individual who wrote to me. Of course, sorry, a little confusing there. Let me know. Okay, next up, we talked about follow up. We talked about family discounts. Let's talk about certification. This comes up a lot. Where's the note about certification? Yes, I'm still printing things out. Okay, so. This actually came, this wasn't a personal, this was sort of came from uh, the, the question page on Weddings for a Living. And you can do that, you know, go to weddingsforliving.com slash ASK ask or ask and uh, submit your question. Or you can call and leave me a voicemail. If you call on the message line, which is 
202-681-2126. I'll say it again, 202-681-2126. And you leave me a message there. I can hear your wonderful voice and maybe I'll play it back. I love it when I can play back your um, messages. Okay, so here's a question. I've actually started, and this is from Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. Aaron is how you say it in America. I would say Aaron. Aaron, if I was in, in okay, anyway. Um, I've actually started a wedding planning business and starting small. We're also getting an influx of inquiries coming in. That's great. Well, in regards to, to getting or not getting certified as a wedding planner, when meeting with possible clients, how do you explain why you don't have certification? Some clients tend to ask and get weary when you tell them you're not certified. So how should one reply to this question and put the potential client at ease about not being a certified planner? I've had better luck doing independent research and studying as well as shadowing volunteering with local vendors, all of which have been fabulous. And I'm also doing a short shoot. Excuse me. Try that again. I'm also doing a style shoot soon to build my empty portfolio so I completely stand by your statements on how it takes self-discipline and hunger to learn about being a successful wedding planner and learning about the process. So how do I sell myself to the client about not being certified and still put them at ease? The question is asked a lot. This question is asked to me a lot. Thank you so much for your time. You're a true inspiration and have an amazing spirit. Hope to hear back. Warm wishes. Thank you. So nice of you to write, Aaron. Aaron. Um, okay. So here's, I'm, I'm really surprised. And, and, and kudos to you. I got to get that applause um, sound clip. I don't know why I don't have that sound effect. You say, you know, you're getting an influx of inquiries and so forth. But I am really surprised to hear that this is coming up. Because in my years of being a professional wedding planner, I think it's happened once that this, this topic of wedding planner certification came up. And I think it was because I brought it up, having verbal diarrhea. I brought it up. But my clients or potential clients have never asked me that question. So I'm really surprised to hear that. But here's what I do know. People will do business with you if they see the value in what you can do for them. If you can solve a problem or answer a nagging question that they cannot get answered, if you can do one of those things, people will hire you. And wedding planning is, is no different. If you show up on time, if you have a system and can show your customers you have a system, if you look the part, meaning you look the part, your website, and if you're confident in your pricing, because that's a big thing, I think people, not I think, I know people will do business with you. So my question, Aaron, 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 <laughs> I got to get over that. My question is, is there something else perhaps that the, the reason why people are asking that question? Because I found that if you don't, if, if one of those things are not happening, you're not, when I say show up on time, meaning showing up ready to work, looking the part, um, having a system, it's that confidence thing. When I, my dad always used to say, you know, sometimes it's not what you know, it's really just acting like you know. And it is this kind of game we have to play. But if something's not happening there, I wonder if your potential clients are looking for a reason not to do business and, and are leaning on the wedding planner certification thing. 
You know, so I, 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 I'm curious as to which part of the world you are where people are asking that question. And I keep saying that because it's mind boggling to me. I have found that the people that make the biggest deal about wedding planner certification are wedding planners and aspiring wedding planners. We kind of use that as a measuring stick for others. Yes, I know wedding planner certification is an indicator that we're serious, but the problem is, and I, the problem I've observed, is because there is no authority, there is no benchmark as to what should be included in wedding planner certification, and anybody can decide that I have a wedding planner certification course, that wedding planner certification, what, what, what meaning does it have if everything is so different? I may have a wedding planner certification. Is it the same as the gal down the street? Is it same same? Is it any, you know and any better or the same as the one across the country? So there are so many varying degrees of certification. I'm doing these air quotes that I I that's been the problem for me. It's sort of like why are we using that to gauge how good we are when there isn't really a measuring stick for us? So. I'm, again, I, I wonder where you are that folks are asking and the response is if someone says, are, are you certified, then you've got to have a backup. So what can you tell them? How long have you been planning weddings? Do you have great testimonials? You said you're doing um, a styled shoot, which is fantastic because it's, it's a visual thing. People want to see the, you know, what you're capable of, especially if you're doing design or decor because people, it's a visual thing. But for planning, logistics, people want to hear from your clients, the weddings you've worked on. And if you haven't worked on any weddings, talking to you know someone other than Aaron who's listening, if you haven't worked weddings and you're saying, well, I don't have testimonials, then you kind of have to jump back into that family and friends thing because you want to get as much experience as you can in exchange. And I forgot to say that when we're talking about the family discount, they've got to give you something. There needs to be something. So, you know, testimonials, pictures. And the testimonial needs to be glowing. It shouldn't say that, you know, you're my sister or you're my cousin and you did it for free. That's not what we're talking about. We want testimonials that say and detail some of the things you did. What were some of the concerns or problems you were having before? And then you came along and ta-da, all of these problems were solved and all of these situations were cleared up. Those are the things that your potential clients want to hear about and want proof of. And if you can provide that information... And you show up like you know what you do. You show up on time. You're dressed the part. You look the part. Your website looks the part. You have a system. Then it's going to be way easier for someone to want to do business with you. And I would bet that the wedding planner certification thing does not come up. It's not hard for someone to find out where you got certified and what's involved. And a lot of these wedding planner certification courses, and I'm not here to, to knock them. It sounds like I am, but I'm just keeping it real. A lot of them are showing us what happens at a wedding, but they're not showing us how to put all of that together. What's the system? And I have an episode, oh my gosh, how could I come on here and not have the episode number for you, which has the 25 set step system that I go through from beginning to end of a wedding. What I do first, then, then this, and then that. And that's what I'm talking about, having a system. And you can share that with your potential clients. You know what this is. We, we do have a system that we follow. Each wedding is different, but we go through things step by step so we don't miss anything. We're going to ask a lot of questions. We have a lot of forms. We have a lot of worksheets, but that's so we make that that's so that we can make sure we cover everything that's needed for your wedding day. And that's another another selling point. So you've got to have some other 
tricks in your bag, as it were, were Aaron, for the, to counteract the certification. The photo shoot is good. Get some testimonials. And your testimonials can come from vendors. If you, you're struggling with getting work, hands-on work, talk to area wedding professionals other, other than wedding planners and ask them if you can shadow them. And I hear people say, well, I've asked wedding vendors and they haven't been very responsive. You have to make it about them. What they're getting is an extra pair of hands who is energized and engaged. Oh, there was a pun. I didn't even try that one there. But you're engaged in, in, in w- with weddings and you want to learn more. So you're going to get to learn. They're going to get an extra pair of hands who's not going to get in the way. Not someone who's going to get in the way, but someone who's willing to help them. And in exchange for that, you're not asking for that. But what's going to happen is down the line when you say, I have some clients and I mentioned that I did a few weddings with you. Would you mind just if they call you, can I use you as a reference? Most wedding vendors are going to say, yeah. Now, are there going to be wedding vendors who aren't going to be receptive receptive to that? Yes, of course. But those are not wedding planners you want to work with, right? So you find the ones that can't. And sometimes you get rejected a few times, but you have to position it for them. You have to sell yourself to them the same way that we sell ourselves to clients. So again, my experience has been the wedding planner certification thing is more about us than the clients. But if it's coming up a lot and you say it is, look at the big picture and be honest and ask someone who's straightforward to say, you know, do does this site, does my, our website match who we are? And, and can you talk about prices confidently? Because I know a lot of us shy away from that. And again, it's usually because we haven't prepared. We haven't figured it out. But if you can say confidently, you know, this is what we're going to do. These are the benefits. We will be there on the wedding day for at least 10 hours. You won't have to worry about a thing. We'll make sure your dad knows when it's time for him to make his speech. We'll make sure that the caterer is set up on time. We'll make sure that the florist has delivered the number of bouquets that you've paid for. So you don't have to worry about that. We'll help your wedding party with the wedding rehearsal. So you don't have, so everyone knows where to be, where to stand. We'll show your ushers how to seat the guests. These are the things we're going to do. And for that, our fee is $2,500. Most of our clients go for this package. How does that sound? And that's with confidence. You're not trying to shy away from it. But all of those things play a part and people buy into you. And hopefully what it is that you're selling. So I hope that answers your question, Aaron. Um, let me know. And, and anyone else that has feedback about this wedding planner certification thing, let me know. Aaron, also check out weddingsforliving.com slash 386 and weddingsforliving.com slash 374. Both of those are episodes that focus on wedding planner certification. Again, episode 386 and episode 374. So weddingsforliving.com slash 386 and weddingsforliving.com slash 374. Okay, and we have time for one more question, which is a quick one from Emily. Thank you, Emily. Emily asks, what kind of things do I need to have for essentials in the wedding planner as the wedding planner on the day of the wedding? So I think she's asking about the wedding planner kit. Okay, Emily, great question. So personally, I have two sets of kits. I have a kit that I provide to clients who are getting dressed, usually one for the bride's room and one for the groom's room. And these items are placed in a compartmentalized clear jewelry organizer. So imagine the organizers that have the little individual compartments and you can see through them. And I hang this, it has a hanger. You hang it up on the back of the door or on a hook somewhere on the wall. And this includes all the little 
items. And the ones that are most frequently used that I have found for my clients are items like safety pins of various sizes, tissue, double-sided tape, uh, sewing kit kits. I just use a little sewing kit, the small ones, and scissors. So those are items that I usually have in the emergency kit. Now, granted, you know, scissors may not fit exactly in the smaller ones, but the and I'll have to take a picture of it. The jewelry organizer that I have has the longer, has the bigger spaces towards the bottom. So there are, are a laundry, it's a laundry list of items. Lip balm, lip, lint remover, lint, excuse me, lip balm, um, lint remover, Q-tips, um, the mini mouthwash, deodorant, the aerosol one, not the roll-on, um, bobby pins, safety pins, I mentioned that, toothpicks, eye drops. We've got feminine hygiene products, um, hairspray, um, over-the-counter medicines like antacids and uh, painkillers. And then there are certain items that I almost always make sure are, are in the kit that's with the men. So black dress socks and things like that. So these are items that are keep that are staying with the client. And then I, the lead wedding planner, have another emergency kit that stays usually in my car. And I call this the heavy-duty kit. It has a power pack, which is sort of the, 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 the pack that generates power you can use it to charge a car or you can use it to plug elect something in so that electricity power is generated sorry i'm a little tongue-tied there a tool kit i got mine from ikea has a hammer screwdriver the wrench Um, i have a variety of extension cords i also have an rca cable which is designed to connect an mp3 device like an ipod to a sound system so this means if the ceremony or reception musician or band is a no-show or running late, we can still have music. So that means having appropriate wedding music on said MP3 device. So whether it's processional music or background music for the prelude or you know music to play at the reception site. So these are things I have as part of my emergency kit. So again, I keep one for me. And then I have the other ones that are going to the client. And the items that are in the client's emergency kit are helpful, but easy and inexpensive to replace. The items that are in my kit, in the day of kit, that my wedding planner heavy duty kit, I keep an eye on those things. So I'm not just leaving a power pack or out there for someone. If, if, if it needs to be utilized, then I'm usually standing pretty close to that item or one of my event managers is there to make sure that it's returned. So that's how I do the emergency kit. Now, I know as a wedding planner, you're probably online Googling. And that's, I mean, how do we find information before Google? But there are a list of things that you can keep in the kit, the the emergency kit. But the key is being able to find the items when you need them. So they need to be in compartments, which is why I like that jewelry organizer that I just described. But it could be as simple as having individual containers, almost like the little packs that you use for food items and and labeling it. There needs to be some sort of system so that when you need the item, you can find it. Craft stores are great for this because when you're you're crafting, there are lots of different bits and pieces. So that industry has, I mean, has a lot of items just for that with compartments so that you can find what you need. And it works perfectly for us as wedding planners. Okay. So I hope that answers your question. I'd love to hear what else others are keeping in the emergency kit. And more importantly, or just as important, how, what are you using as the kit itself? What is the vessel? What are you keeping all of the items in? 
Um, there's always room for us to learn. And I, for one, am always learning lots. I'm just an information junkie, especially when it comes to the business of planning weddings. Okay. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback, your comments, and your questions. This is episode 392. So weddingsforliving.com slash 392. Weddings for Living is also on iTunes, so you can search for us there and you can or you can go to weddingsforliving.com slash iTunes. I'd love it if you would leave a review. The review actually helps promote the show um, and gets us some attention. But more importantly, people that need to learn or want to learn about becoming a professional wedding planner can benefit from that. And the reviews actually, as it would for your business, help others to understand what they're what they're really in for, what they're getting. Okay. All right, so Weddings for Living is also on Twitter. I've got to say that. I'm trying to do better with social media. I'm trying to do better with social media. So at Wed for a Living is our handle. And uh, we're also on Google Plus and on Facebook. I'm not so great with Facebook. I'm not going to lie. But I've been trying with Twitter and trying with Google Plus. <laughs> dragging my heels. So please follow Weddings for a Living at Wed for a Living on Twitter. Okay, as always, lots of love and success. You've just... You've just, okay, let me see if I can say that without botching it. <laughs> You've just listened to another episode of the WeddingsForAliving.com show. I'm Debbie Quain. I look forward to connecting to you. Okay, let me try that again. <laughs> I'm not going to edit this out. I look forward to connecting with you real soon. Take care. about weddings? Staying awake at night wondering if you could be a professional wedding planner? If you'd like to get paid to plan weddings, download Debbie's free audio class, Seven Truths Every Wedding Planner Should Know, and discover seven insider secrets about what it takes to run your own successful wedding planning business. Go to WeddingsForAliving.com today and get instant access to this information-packed audio class. It's yours free at WeddingsForAliving.com. Go to WeddingsForAliving.com now. Visit WeddingsForAliving.com.